One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is episode 65 with Kate Otto. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast. Where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxit. Before we start, I'd like to ask a couple of favors. One is that you definitely get Everyday Ambassador Make a Difference by Connecting in a Disconnected World by Kate Otto. This book, more than any of the books that I've read in recent times, fully embodies what it means to be a UID or and what it means to use your difference to make a difference. Um, you're going to hear from Kate in a little bit, but I really, really, really encourage you to get it. It's on Amazon, it's everywhere, and it's selling out like hot cakes. The other favor I, I'd like to ask is that you Subscribe to the podcast as told by Nomads on iTunes or Stitcher. Leave a review and just continue to spread the word. Without further ado, here is the excellent, magnificent Kate Otto. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Kate Otto. And let me tell you something about Kate Otto. Kate Otto not only is someone that I resonate with a lot, but someone that actually shares a lot of the same passions that I have. Not only do we share a passion for the Boston only one Boston team. That's the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a passion for creating ambassadors and making a difference. She's the founder and director of Everyday Ambassador. That's a network of organizations and individuals who run and engage in international service opportunities and travel abroad experiences, as well as domestic community service product, uh, projects. She travels the world working on global health programs in countries like Indonesia, Ethiopia, Ghana, and South Africa. And she also writes for the Huffington Post, the Christian Science Monitor, and she currently lives where I live, in New York City. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Tayo. I'm psyched to be here, and I'm a big fan of Use Your Difference to Make a Difference. So thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you for saying that, but you have something exciting. I mean, I heard that you released the book on Tuesday. So I don't know. Maybe you can clarify that rumor. Was that true? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> rumor's true. I can't believe it's finally here. It's been... Years in the making, and the Everyday Ambassador book is finally out and available to the world. Yeah, and then what, what happened on, on uh, 
the next day on Amazon? Did it <laughs> sell out or something? It sold out. It sold out on the first day. It uh, was so amazing. Such a blessing. It was so cool. Yeah, I, I was very happy to hear that. But So what I did initially was talk about your background, but can you tell us more about yourself and why you do what you do? Yeah, yeah, sure, Tayo, thanks. Um, you know, like you said, um, I've been working in international development and public service for many years. Um, I grew up in a small town in Rhode Island, and, and even though I had never really traveled very far, certainly not outside the United States, um, usually not outside New England, um, I did, I was very fortunate to grow up in an environment where I was exposed to people from very different life backgrounds than me who had gone through many different things, and I that I had um, oftentimes difficult things. I, I worked at an, a homeless shelter for people living with HIV in high school, and so I met a lot of people who were struggling with um, substance use issues and, and domestic abuse issues. And it just, you know, even though I hadn't actually traveled anywhere physically, I felt like I had traveled so far because these people's lives were different from my own, um, and they were teaching me so much through their lives. And I was hopefully also teaching them um, and that idea of human connection and how valuable it is to build relationships with people especially with those who are different from you from a young age really resonated with me and really felt like something I always wanted to be part of my life and so you know I went to college I came to New York and went to NYU I studied international relations I had really awesome chances to I studied abroad in Ghana I did some volunteering in Tanzania um, in Mexico and Guatemala I had a job that took me to South Africa um, I, I finished school, I did some grad school and then moved to Indonesia for a year and did work with uh, an HIV AIDS center there. Um, so I, I focused and specialized in, in public health and the service work I was doing and tried to kind of live that mission of connecting with people no matter where I went and finding those human connections no matter how different people seemed. Um, and a few years ago as I was kind of reflecting on all those travels and those experiences, um, I was just kind of thinking, like, you know, these these lessons were actually kind of hard to learn about the importance of human connection and how difficult it actually can be sometimes to make those connections with people who have really life different lives than you do, um, but yet how crucially important it is to being a good global citizen and creating a better world. And so that's when I decided to write Everyday Ambassador, and it kind of just started as my own... Uh, thoughts about things I had been through and people I had met, and then it turned into something much bigger, which was featuring the stories of other people like you and like other partners that are listed on our website who do this every single day, who create organizations and platforms to to unite people um, all across the world. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of a little bit about me and where Everyday Ambassador came from in terms of my background. Hmm. So, would you say it was your trips abroad that? reawaken this or just expose you to sort of what the the importance of being a global citizen was or was it something that you've always had in you and you just couldn't wait till until you could explore that that part of yourself um i think it probably was always a part of me but in, when i was in, in environments where i was just learning so much as i'm sure a lot of your listeners know just the idea of culture shock not only of going to a new place and learning how things are done differently there but even more so coming back home to where your home is and realizing 
how much you didn't understand before and things that you were missing, even about yourself and your own identity. Right. Um, that definitely awakened it, reawakened it, and I guess maybe caused that initial spark to grow more than it ever would if I hadn't made those travels. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I love hearing that because it's, it's actually true. I think a lot of people, you explore that curiosity you had in you. And I always encourage people, a lot of listeners, to explore that because it often leads us to places that um, we should be anyway. So yeah. you built this platform, right? And you started writing your thoughts. And then your platform eventually became a movement. I remember you know, my business partner was telling me about you. And she said, you got to check out this EA movement. And, and, and it was, she described it as a movement. Was that your intention initially? Because you said you were just writing out your thoughts, but now it's it's something much more than a uh, you know than a book and a voice and anything. It's it's people sharing hashtags of what they're an ambassador of. It's you've got TEDx talks talking about what you're doing, and it expands really many many uh, verticals and lives. So it's was that what the intention was? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you you were very kind in saying that I, I built the EA uh, network and movement, but I have to, I really want to call out um, my amazing team, actually. It was something that I, that I haven't done alone, although the kind of initial idea of Everyday Ambassador came from my own personal reflections. I was really, really lucky that um, in 2012, I was invited to give a TEDx talk about Everyday Ambassador right at the very beginning when it, the idea was just starting before I ever had a concept that it was going to be a big movement. I just kind of wanted to share this idea. Um, and that was a great platform for it because a few students, it was at UNC, a few students came up to me after and said, oh, I'd love to support what you're doing. Um, and from those initial two or three students, over the, the past three years, um, our team has, has morphed and changed at times, but we're currently um, a team of nine uh, amazing women. We all happen to be women, although we welcome men on the team as well. And and we've kind of built it together, each contributing our own skills and ideas, and it and we've really allowed it to build organically. We've never kind of tried to push it in any particular direction because I think it's important to let my my philosophy is let people hear the everyday ambassador values and ideas and see what it inspires them to do and see what they have to say about it and then take it in the direction that that these partners and these other and the readers and the audience thinks we should take it. And so we originally on our website had about five partner organizations who were just organizations who we really admired and thought were great and wanted to shortlist on our website um, and they're still there and in the past year we've grown that now to 20 organizations um, of which UID is an amazing partner and the concept Yay. of partnership has really been transforming based on feedback and working with these partners um, and that's what's made it a movement the idea of people who live the everyday ambassador values, the being able to feature them on our website and then say to the world, hey, these are amazing partners. If you run an organization or you're part of a classroom or if you run a business where these are your values as well, read about these, these organizations, read the book, see what it's all about, and then let us know what you're doing. Let, uh, let us promote you and what you're all about. Um, and then the idea of this movement just makes itself and becomes itself. So we try to put the resources out there by giving people this short list of great organizations, by giving people the book. We try to give these concrete uh, resources that we can provide to people who have the energy and desire to want to do good in the world, and then we let it grow from there, however people want to grow it. Yeah, essentially what you're, you're described is you, you built and cultivated a community of communities, and then out of yeah. that, that, that happens. So I know how you're an everyday ambassador, but just for the audience at large, 
what what is your idea of an everyday ambassador? Because when we first met, I know one of the first things I told you was I grew up in a diplomatic family, so my initial understanding of an ambassador was was someone with diplomatic services. But what I love, especially about what you did, was was really you veered away from that model that you don't you have to be tied to diplomatic service to be an ambassador. You can be an ambassador of whatever you want to be. So I would love to hear what your actual definition of an everyday ambassador is. Yeah, sure. So an everyday ambassador is anyone who believes that human connection is the key to making a positive difference in the world. And the way that that manifests itself in real life are people who appreciate that building bridges between differences and people with different life backgrounds um, is the key to peace and to progress and to a healthy world and a well-educated world and uh, you know solving all of the problems that we've seen in international development like really can be solved by valuing human connection at the at the core um, and so you know the word ambassador as you rightly said normally brings to mind this idea of a diplomat of somebody who works at the embassy of someone who is responsible for an elite level of relationships between governments. Um, And what I was just thinking in my own travels was, you know, so often people initially make judgments of me when they hear I'm American or they have something to say about the fact that I'm American in America. Um, and, And I might have preconceived notions of what a Ghanaian is like or what a Tanzanian is like or what South African is like, um, based on whatever it was I read about those countries in the news or knew about it prior to going. Um, But then, of course, when you're somewhere and you form relationships with people and you get to know people, you see so much past those kind of superficial level labels. Um, And that's an everyday ambassador, the person who, like, is is representing a country or a place or a set of ideas, um, but is really getting to know people at a level beyond that and getting to connect. And that's our ambassador of campaign. If you look on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook for hashtag ambassador of, you'll see people sharing their values of what they think is the most important notion for human connection. So you'll see we've gotten some really cool things, um, everything from values like 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 health and education and social justice to things like laughter and storytelling and skateboarding um, to things like music and there's just you know everyone has something really beautiful to share of how they connect with other people regardless of where you're from or what your background is. Wait, could it be that they are using their difference to make a difference? It could be that. What? No. <laughs> oh, that, I love that. That is that is so awesome. Uh, so. Circling back to this book here, one of the first things that I noticed um, was you got, on the front page you have a little excerpt from one Miss Alicia Keys. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and this, this is – I'm going to make you blush here, but this is what she said about you. Kate Otto is the ultimate example of how someone can mobilize the spirit, the heart, and a true love for mankind to become an, an everyday ambassador. We all have a role to play in building a more peaceful world for peaceful generations, and this book shows us just how to act in order to build that better future. That yeah, <laughs> that is an amazing compliment to who you are, and I can definitely attest to that. But going through the book yesterday, because I went to your book launch yesterday, and I was, I was yeah, I was, you did. Thank <laughs> you so much for being there. No, I, it meant so much to me. I thought, hey, anything I could do for you, and I, I knew I had this interview today, so I was, I was reading, 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 and Aww. then um. 
the the four principles that I, that stuck to me, and that's what you really hit on, uh, are focus, empathy, humility, patience, and they're yeah. prevalent throughout the book. Can you expand on why you think these are important? Because I mean, they're simple principles, but I don't think anyone, not everyone, actually applies that to their lives. So why do you think that these are important? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing up those four principles. Um, and also, I just want to say before I get into the principles, thanks for also sharing what um, Alicia Keys had to say about the book and about the movement. Um, I, I used to work for an organization that she co-founded called Keep a Child Alive. She co-founded it with a woman named Lee Blake. Mm. And I had the great privilege of working with her for four years um, while I was in college at that organization. And and Alicia is really an incredible example of an everyday ambassador. She not only uses her music, but she also uses her voice. She has her own movement called the We Are Here movement. Mm. Um, and she really uses her platform to make a difference in the world. And so, um, you know, I can't really speak for any other celebrities, uh, but I can definitely say for her that she walks the talk. And it's been a total honor to be able to have her be part of this Um and so, yeah, and so those four, the four values, focus, patience, empathy, humility, uh, the reason I chose these four, so there are certainly a lot of things that matter to, to connecting with other people, and that's what we hope people will share when we do the Everyday Ambassador of campaign, um, but when it came to what I was going to write in the book, what I, what I did was I compiled the lessons I had learned, the people I had met, the, the things they had taught me and oftentimes the things I learned in really embarrassing or hard ways by messing up and not achieving what I wanted to achieve or situations where I hurt rather than helped or I really didn't live up to the ideal that I set out to, to achieve. Um, I kind of thought about those and I thought about like what skills would have been helpful to me and why did I, wh how did I not have those? Why did I not have those? And then I, in, in thinking about that is how I came up with the chapter. So the reason these four rose to the surface when I, when I read through all my own reflections was that, you know, we're in a world that's more digitally connected than ever before, and, and that's really beautiful. Like, for example, you and I can do this podcast and share it with the world, and you do that every week. You share things with the world, and we can connect on social media. We can get together people who are otherwise inaccessible to us. It's like it's a very beautiful thing. But at the same time, what I realized in my own life was that it's actually a dangerous thing sometimes too because sometimes the more connected we are to people digitally, the less connected we feel on a human level and, and more so that we end up becoming disconnected from people who are already nearby us uh, because we're so consumed with the online life. Um, so I always say like, Using technology in ways that makes us closer to people who are far is a great thing. When technology gets in the way of actually forming good human relationships, then that's when we have to take take a second assessment at it. And these four values, to me, really represent that that struggle and that challenge to try to stay human in a digital world. So, so briefly, um, so focus is is the, is the first one. Um, you know, all of us deal with this challenge of, of distraction in a world where we can multitask better than ever before. So I don't know about you, Tayo, but I like right now I have like, you know, a Skype window open. I've got an internet browser window with like 20 tabs open. I have a Word document open. My desktop is full of stuff. Like because of technology, we can do so many things at once or have a lot of things going on at once. Uh, but, you know, most social science research shows that trying to do many things at once or trying to multitask actually leads to less efficiency and getting less done. Um, and certainly if we apply this concept of distraction to 
human relationships, um, it you know it makes for a bad outcome. The idea of trying to multitask relationships, uh, we might not realize we're doing because we do it so much in an online kind of work setting. We end up doing it offline as well and trying to text as we're also talking to someone or be on the phone as we're also checking out at the store or like being in more than one place at once because we're interacting with more than one person at once thanks to technology. Like that's actually not really good for human relationships. And so, um, you know, I certainly felt like I learned that um, the hard way by sometimes not being present enough for people who I really need to be present for. Um, and so, so that's the lesson that came from focus. And then um, yeah, empathy, you know, empathy you would think is easier to achieve than ever before in a digital world because we can see everyone's point of view that otherwise maybe we could have never seen before and we could read more about it than we could ever read so we could hypothetically understand more about each other than we could ever understand before. Um, but that's not what happens usually. What happens usually is that uh, we use our social media platforms to share our opinions and like the opinions of people who resonates with us and if someone says something that offends us or insults us or is against what we believe, normally what we do is we either just unfriend that person, unfollow that person, hide their content from our timeline, or do something that's going to basically create more of an echo chamber of people who agree with us and think that they right. same things we do and not ever have to deal with an opposing opinion. So it's, you know, it's dangerous because, well, it's fine to do that online, um, when you get offline, if you're ever in a scenario where you meet someone who initially you think is really different from you and opposes you, um, yeah, how are you going to respond to that? Like you don't have the conditioning or the training to really know how to respond to it because you've otherwise ignored it um, in your online life. And so I think that having empathy is is a skill that is really important uh, for everyday ambassadorship and one that in the book, you know, I give a few examples of some people who I think do a great job at it. Um, and then patience. So patience, of course, is something hard to come by in a world where everything's at our fingertips now and we can get everything instantly and easily on our phones and on our laptops. So um, you know, I can get like the weather and a dinner reservation and texting a friend all yeah, literally at the same time. So when things take time, whether it's you know waiting for someone on our team to finish part of the work or waiting for someone to get back to me or or whatever it is we're waiting for, I really think I can speak for myself. I'm an impatient person. Like I really want to get things done quickly and I want to keep moving. And I think what I had to remind myself, and again, what I learned the hard way is that human beings don't work that way. Human beings can't operate automatically sometimes. We might, I might get into a conversation with someone and based on what we're talking about, they might need some time to think about what I've said and maybe we can't come to an instant agreement or conclusion and if I can't be prepared to give people time or take time for myself to think about what I actually think about a situation or how I'm going to handle something, um, then that could be kind of destructive if I'm always acting impulsively and quickly about things. So, um, so patience I think is important and then humility, you know, so, so, so important. Um, we, we have become a kind of walking generation of, of handheld experts because you know at any given moment we can if we have a question about something we can just look it up on Google and find the answer and and that's awesome it's cool I do it all the time especially I'm, I'm at medical school right now as well so being able to look up different words I don't know or diseases I haven't heard of yet um, it's super convenient it's great right. um, the, the trouble with that is that there's oftentimes questions that come up when it comes to relationship building 
um, that are not Googleable, that we might not know the answer to. Uh, mm. Someone might be dealing with a problem we want to help them with, and there might not be a crowdsourceable answer to that. And I think to the ability to be able to say, I don't know, um, but I'd like to help you, or I am not an expert on that, but I'd like to be able to figure out how to help you with this. That idea of being able to say, I don't know, is kind of a lost art and something that I hope uh, when people read the book, they feel the confidence to be able to say that again. And I think it actually leads to creating even closer relationships because by, by showing some of Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Vulnerability or by kind of putting yourself on an equal playing field with people, then it leads to people having more trust between each other and having a stronger relationship. So, um, yeah, so those four values, they're certainly not the only ones that matter. They're definitely four for me that I've always struggled with and I think are hard to achieve in a digital age. But I think if they are achieved, could lead to really the ultimate ability to be an everyday ambassador. No, they're, they're, they're core principles and that's what makes them great. And um, one of the things that we always joke about is how much alike we are because we, we call yeah. them twins. <laughs> I actually have 14 tabs open here <laughs> in, order, in order that. But it, it, what I thought was so important um, to what you're saying is, you know, your four principles, I have three and you know, I call them DBCs of making a global impact. And one was defeating the supposal syndrome uh, the B is breaking down the Berlin walls and the C is connecting in a digital world. And that last point, the connecting in a digital world is, uh, was the indirect correlation, what you're saying. Because I often say it's there's this myth out there that goes that just because you can tweet from uh, from Ghana to, to someone in China doesn't necessarily mean that you're connecting with that person. Uh, just because, it's, you know, there's so many, <laughs> so many um, other things that goes beyond that. And then uh, um, I love exactly what you were saying on, uh, on the importance of, of you know, Managing the online and offline communication, um, but staying in this vein, I, and you know, I talked about a mutual love for the Patriots. You know, it's, yeah. sad, it's sad to see what's going yeah. on with the the, the gate haters. But oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> but, haters but, all around. <laughs> yeah, Brady. <laughs> but they um, see go down. This all there's bullies. <laughs> but but besides our mutual love with the Patriots, we both have a passion for making a global impact. And I know one of the things that you have a passion for is is, is um, showing people how they can do that. Now, I want you to talk about how you can do that through grassroots democracy and digital media. I know we just talked about you know connect, disconnecting in the digital world, but you've, you're someone that's done something through digital media, and you've also had a lot of experience with grassroots diplomacy and. I talked to a lot of youth um, on a daily basis, and they, one of the things that they keep coming at me at is, um, I can't do this. 
I can't be her. I can't be him. I mean, I'm only this person, but look at what you did. Um, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, on how one can actually build a grassroot and then even use digital media. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I thought a lot about this kind of question that you're posing. Um, you know, how can an everyday person, someone who might not have a certain degree or income level or passport or qualification, right. how they can feel <coughs> like they're making a difference? I thought about that a lot when I was when I was writing the book because... I'm very privileged to know a lot of really, really outstanding people who have been given a lot of great opportunities and done great things with those. So you're an example. People who are in the AIPA book are an example. Um, you know, started organizations, started platforms and movements. Um, and that's great. But I also wanted to make sure I included in the book a pretty healthy balance between, you know, folks who are kind of, you know, granted these resources or opportunities and did a lot with them versus people who are maybe struggling to figure out where those opportunities and resources are or maybe who actually don't want to ever start an NGO or do a make a big effort but do want to be an everyday ambassador and do want to make a difference in the world. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely both online and offline ways people can do that. And so you'll see in the book there's some examples um, of, of the offline ways to do that and those sound pretty straightforward but there's some pretty cool stories in the book that I shared that I had heard from others that I just thought were worth sharing and just as a quick example one that I love is um, a taxi driver from the Midwest in America so in the States a taxi driver is thought of as a job that is you know probably pretty little qualification someone who may or may not have any specific level of education and so um, so as a taxi driver who was picking someone up in the middle of the night, um, when he got there, it turned out to be a little old lady who took forever to, like, get out of her house and get to the car, and he was kind of thinking, like, oh, man, I could just go. Like, this is, she's taking so long. She's, like, probably not even going to tip me, um, thinking, thinking about yeah. these things. But he was, like, you know what, whatever. This could be my grandma. This could be, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. And when she finally gets in the car, she explains to him that she basically, she, she grew up in that city, in that town. She, like, spent her whole life there. Um, and she has um, a disease, and she's dying, and she just needs a ride to the hospice center, basically, for her last, you know, week on Earth or a few days on Earth. And um, and he just shut off the meter immediately, and he said, where do you want to go? We'll go wherever you want to go. And he, he drove her around for, you know, an hour. He went back to the place she had her first date or where she used to work, like, took her on this lovely ride and then dropped her off. And, you know, like, that's not someone who is going to start a movement or start an organization but, like, that is what it means to be an everyday ambassador. Right. Yeah. Like, really just being there for people who might be complete strangers to you, but you treat them like they're not. You treat them like they're a person who matters. And even if you don't even know anything about them, you make an effort to do that. Like, he truly changed that woman's life when she was at the very end of it. And, and I know she changed his as well. So, you know, that's kind of a good example of what it means. Because some people are going to want to do big things and start a big movement or organization, but I think there are a lot of people out there who, you know, might not care to do that level of, of work and and kind of organizational effort, but still want to spend their energy and time being an EA. So so that's that. And then in the in the online sense, um, there there's also plenty of opportunities there. I, I give an example of someone named Patrick Meyer who who also has a book out recently, um, and also he runs a 
really important initiative around digital humanitarianism, and he actually kind of coined that phrase, digital humanitarianism, um, among many other incredible accomplishments. Um, one that I chronicle in the book is that when the earthquake happened in Haiti, um, he took his, his skills and knowledge in, in social media and technology, and he actually built a, um, a mobile phone-based response to helping survivors um, and people who were still stuck or who hadn't been rescued yet use their phones to identify where they were, what they needed, and collecting that data and getting it to relief organizations so they could do it and mapping that in a way that had never been mapped before. Um, And the way he did this was by basically bringing in hundreds of volunteers who just volunteered their time to do, you know, pretty mundane tasks uh, around data management, but like literally life-saving mundane tasks. And so if you look up digital humanitarianism and take a look at his work, he he talks a lot more in detail about how you can be a digital humanitarian and kind of if you only have a little bit of time here or there to give online, things you could things you could do to help. Um, and and then kind of to your your last piece about social media um, and being you know a good global citizen citizen through social media, I think it's really important to acknowledge that there are powers to it, but then there are also limitations to it. Um, so one example that I know is going to be close to your heart. Um, is something happened over the past year, which is the Bring Back Our Girls movement. And it was probably one of the biggest cause movements on social media in the past year. Um, and for any any listeners who aren't familiar, it was that a militant group in Nigeria, Boko Haram, captured um, hundreds of schoolgirls. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the government of Nigeria could not find them at first, and there was some pressure put on the government to try harder to find them, and even pressure put on other governments and other countries, including the U.S., to help find these girls who had been captured. Um, and, you know, and, and, and really for, like, a year goes by, and they're not captured, even though everyone's tooting their heart out with the hashtag. Even, you know, Michelle Obama, like, everybody at the highest levels is hashtagging bring back our girls. Um, it, it is good. It's important to acknowledge that it's amazing to have it's amazing to have built that support network and to bring causes to that mainstream level. Like mo- a lot of people in America don't even know where Nigeria is or that's a country, right? So it's like mm. amazing that people even got that level of awareness and care. So you want to appreciate everything that happened, but be real as well that it might not create any meaningful change aside from people's knowledge levels increasing. Um, so what does it mean to actually make that change and get a government to go out there and make a change, like, that's, that's pretty complicated. A hashtag probably won't solve it, um, but, it, it, but it's the beginning. It's good. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing, but just being honest with ourselves about sometimes the limitations as well, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, too. Well, you, you know how personal that was to me, and that was, that was because yeah. I'm, I'm Nigerian, and we had discussions about that, and I was infinitely, um, <laughs> frustration doesn't even begin to express how, how mad it was. Cause I, you know, I grew up in Nigeria for a lot of times when I've lived through the democratic system and I know I'm very familiar with the government and how they work. And, and I just, you know, I knew how ineffective that was. And I, you know, I'm someone that built my career out of social media and digital media. Mm-hmm. I, I was more interested in, in ways to pressure the government to act. And mm-hmm. I didn't think, uh, the, at that point, social media was doing anything. I just felt like, you know, like you said, everybody gets excited about that for a week. It's, it's trending on Twitter, but then the, the girls aren't found, and the, the the parents are still grieving. Um, 
the uh, you know some of these girls again slow, um, sold into and converted into all these religions and uh, real life issues are happening. And that that goes to the offline and online dichotomy that you're talking about here. So there's 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 a certain level that social media can get get you to, and that's raising awareness. Yeah. But then the the extra step is that making a difference, and it's yeah. and it's you know you your the tagline of your book is making a difference by connecting in a disconnected world. And a lot of what I find, I, I love social media. So this is not, this is probably one of the few things I'll say that's bad about social media. A lot of times it's, it's the focus sometimes can tend to disconnect us. Um, I would have loved to see like a hashtag that led to more education on what was going on and maybe to more organizations funding trips to, to figuring out how to solve that issue. Um, and it's, it's why I'm passionate about what I'm doing. I feel like a lot of, Cross-cultural communication can lead to conflict crisis, um, and it speaks to that emp- empathetic point that you bring up all the time. It's yeah. the the only way you can really understand someone's point of view is by knowing where they're coming from, and a lot of times, just by not understanding how to communicate communicate across these cultures, it's very hard for you to 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 get that what I like to call the Berlin Wall out of your your mindset because you're just yeah. already formed. So. Yeah. I, that's a really great symbol that you use in that statement because like it, these things often are Berlin walls, things that are constructed that don't need to divide us and ultimately should be broken down, but you know for yeah. a while do, but it require people in, in action to take it down. Absolutely. And and you know, I you know, it goes to that twin effect. <laughs> twin. But um I, I completely agree with you on that. So, um but and, and also sorry, real quick also on that point, um just to extend your point about how that offline action can create peace and, and ease away from conflict. Um, another anecdote in the book that I want to point people towards um, is someone named Ben Orbach, who I profile, and, they're one of, and his organization is called America's Unofficial Ambassadors, which we like sharing the ambassadorial name with them. <laughs> Um, but his concept is kind of cool, and I wonder if it would it work in the Nigerian context too, but he, um, he had gone to... Uh, Jordan, um, right after 9-11 happened, he was, uh, I think, a recent graduate. He was just curious to understand kind of the Arab perspective on America at that time um, and was really moved by what he learned and, and how many harsh stereotypes a lot of people in Jordan had about Americans that he really didn't feel true was true about himself or most Americans. Um, and so he ended up creating America's Unofficial Ambassadors, which still is running until this day. And basically what he does is he sends American volunteers to do service projects in the Muslim world, some in Arab countries also. He goes to Indonesia. He goes to the island of Zanzibar in Tanzania, which is predominantly Muslim. And he has uh, pre-organized service projects that are are doing some type of a service, whether it's education or technology. Um, But the point isn't necessarily the outcome of that project. The point is that they're gonna. The American students will be working with students from those countries and building relationships and breaking down those Berlin walls and getting to know each other because, you know, if everyday people in these countries, both America and the rest of the world, countries who otherwise maybe don't like us or our country's policies, um, if we got to know one another and realize how much we actually have in common and it's just the governments and those policies that are disagreeing, I really do think that would lead to a more peaceful world and you'd have less people joining extremist movements and, to, and taking those alternatives. And you'd have people, um, if there were other opportunities for understanding and also for opportunity, like economic opportunity and other things people could do, then you actually maybe could prevent such terrible things from even happening. Well, first of all, it will absolutely resonate in Nigeria. Um, one of the things about Nigeria is that it's the most populous country in Africa. I think it's 10th yeah. or ninth in the world now, or maybe even 8th. And 
there's a predominant Muslim North and a predominant Christian South. So um, what I always say with stereotypes, and I talk about this with the DBCs, is it's especially when you're defeating that supposed syndrome, or I'm sorry, breaking down the Berlin Walls, is I describe stereotyping as the laziest ways to understand culture simply because it makes assumptions on who you are and what you do without actually knowing who you are and what you do. And, mm-hmm. and the reason why this particular point is prevalent to me is when you when for a country like Nigeria, where you have over 300 different languages and multiple cultures and different religions, what happens is people have these preconceived notions about the way people are because of mm-hmm. certain stereotypes they've been raised with, or raised or raised mm-hmm. to, and they forget at the core of of who we are, you know, mm-hmm. the core of everything is that we are just human beings. You know, we have yeah. that, you know, we might have different pigmentation. You know, I, I certainly have more melanin than you do. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, <you> <laughs> but that, 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 that uh, we, we often forget the, what can actually happen when, <laughs> when we actually collaborate to, to seek to understand. So yeah. I think what, what he's doing, what you're doing uh, is definitely very important. And I think it's, it's it's key. I, I've been in many situations where stereotypes have just like ended conversations without actually started. And it's like, oh, where is he from? Uh, no, can't talk. Yeah, like, yeah for what? real. True. <laughs> so mm-hmm. now it's cool. So we're almost winding down here. But mm-hmm. I, you know, talking to Kate Otto here, best selling author. <clears throat> Let me repeat that again. Best selling <laughs> author. <laughs> but um, um, I, I, I want to give you a chance to. Before I go to rapid fire questions, I want to give you a chance to talk and say where people can find out more about your book and your platform or every other thing. Sure. Thanks for asking. So if people are curious about Everyday Ambassador and you like what you've heard, our website is www.everydayambassador.org. We publish a blog five days a week, and we hope that you love the content there. One day is focused on interpreting international relations through an EA lens. One day is focused on digital detox one day is focused on wisdom from the field so our partners and what they think and their opinions another day is focused on sharing opportunities with you and resources with you as readers um it's called bucket list and the last one is a weekly roundup of the 10 hottest articles of the week online that we think represent what ea is all about in the global news so if that any of that resonates with you we hope you check out the blog and start reading it um we're active on twitter at everyday am on Twitter. We are active on Instagram at Everyday Ambassador on Insta and also we are on Facebook um, and facebook.com slash Everyday Ambassador. Um, we welcome new partnerships if you're part of or a leader of an organization and you've been listening and you feel like this is totally up your alley um, definitely come to our website go to the partnerships page and we have uh, instructions for you on how to how to become a partner with us um, and yeah, if you, if you are up for it and you've been listening and are inspired to tell the world what you're an ambassador of, then by all means, post your selfie, take your selfie as a hashtag ambassador of and what your word is and, uh, and post it and tag us and we'll share it with the world and we look forward to hearing, hearing from you. Awesome. And then they can get your book on Amazon and bookstores too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyone in the world, you can get the book on Amazon. Anyone can get it on a Kindle version, no matter what country you're in. So um, so check that out. Um, just type Everyday Ambassador Kindle into the Amazon search box. Um, if you're uh, in a place where Amazon can ship to, just order on Amazon. They'll ship to you a physical copy. Um, and if you're in the States, you can go to your nearest Barnes & Noble. You can look up on their website through your zip code. We're 
uh, where the nearest copy is to you. And um, and I would love to hear what you think about it. So if you if you do read it and you're so inclined to share your feedback, which I hope you are, um, you can write a review directly on Amazon, and we'd love to hear what you have to say and continue the conversation. Boom. There you go. Look at that. So effective. Just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> um, so uh, I like to do this here sometimes with guests, and it's rapid-fire questions. You're someone that's well-traveled, and I am curious mm-hmm. about these following questions. So Yay. what's your favorite country? Uh, that's impossible to answer, but <laughs> I, um, I spent a ton of time in Indonesia, and it's very near and dear to my heart, so I'm going to say Indonesia. Indonesia. Bali or Jakarta? Uh, Bandung is the city where I spent the most time, Sorry. so I'll give okay. Bandung a shout-out here. <laughs> Indon- okay. Indonesia, a favorite food? Of anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. Gosh, I have like one per country. I'm going to go with Red Red, which is a Ghanaian dish, which is basically like beans and plantains. Um, ah. Just I was recently in Ghana and uh, and had a lot of that. But I mean, Ethiopian food in general is one of my favorite cuisines ever. Oh, yeah. Those, those Ghanaian, that's my, uh, those are my brothers over there. Um, <laughs> countries with the best movies. Uh, yikes. You know what? I've not I've not really gotten to enjoy Bollywood or Nollywood. Um, I might have, and every country I go to, uh, they're shipping out movies in, from the U.S. into there. So I don't know if I can properly answer that question either, because the U.S. is dominating the market. No, look, I, I'm not American, but I, I, I'm going to say Hollywood. I don't even think it's close. I'm, like, I'm going to go with Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I <don't> even think <laughs> yeah. um, Although I will say that nowadays it's pretty damn awesome that you can see people's videos they make, period, on YouTube. So. Uh, the idea of being able to just go onto YouTube and see what people make and seeing everything that gets posted on Facebook, I might just vote for that as my favorite, like YouTube as my favorite country. Oh, there you go, YouTube, YouTube. All right, this is, this is the penultimate question here. This is um country you went to in which you were pleasantly surprised by when you left. Maybe you went there initially with, with an expectation and you came back thinking, hmm, all right, that's not what I expected, but, huh. Ah, you know what? Um... I'm going to say South Africa is one of the most fascinating places I've been. I think part of that has to do with the history of the country. is so different from the history of a lot of other African countries. Mm-hmm. This is very unique, but South Africa in particular. Um, I was just kind of blown away. Maybe I just wasn't sure what to expect or how emotional it was going to be, but there, there's a lot that's gone on, even in, in recent history there. And um, I just always, I always think of South Africa as a very complex and complicated, but really, really beautiful place. Um, that I really felt privileged to get a chance to spend some time there. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. It's beautifully complex. Um, mm-hmm. No, that's good. Well, I can't actually have you leave with this podcast without asking you <laughs> the question. This is what everybody's been waiting for. How do you use your difference to make a difference, Kate? Ah! <laughs> How do I use my difference to make a difference? Well... You know, I, I guess I'm not quite sure exactly what's different about me. I know I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> I tend to be a little bit eccentric with loving this international citizenship, global citizenship concept so much. Um, I mean, I, th- I think I like to use my difference to make a difference by, by empowering other people to do that, by giving people resources and tools that they can apply to their lives and then they can use their difference to make a difference. I think I see myself as more of a bridge and a supporter and more of like the backstage stage manager helping people do their thing. Um, and that's, that's how I try to use my difference to make a difference is by, you know, featuring people who are doing amazing things in the world and giving tools to people who want to do positive things in the world so they can do them. No, I love it. And then you, I think a bridge is the perfect uh, description of who you are. Cause it's, 
you're you're that that connector and uh the one that you know gets you from places to be so i love that definition and um well i just want to thank you for talking about grassroots diplomacy everyday ambassador your book and making a global impact i think it's really going to resonate with the audience and i can't wait to get this out there um getting it out there asap so it'll be out there in the ether pretty soon so uh thank uh, you so much tyler this was so much fun thank you so much for having me on the show it's a it's a show i love you guys are you audience members are awesome um i've read about a lot of uid or on the site magazine so um keep up the amazing work and it's really a privilege to get to chat with everyone and to and to be tuned in with you guys well pleasure's all mine You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.